I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back after a week absence. Can you believe the weather conditions caused the cancellation of a podcast? The banks of the River Wee were close to spilling over last week and that resulted in a mass evacuation of this building. People were hardly running around shouting we're all going to die and the like, but it was still an interesting development for us here. This week, we're back to discussing the doom and gloom with the Love Supreme editor, Martin McFadden. Your second appearance, Martin, you okay? Hi, yeah, how are you doing? Okay, well, I've, I'll set you outside. We'll try and get you back on. We'll try and get you on after we haven't had a, some sort of horrendous or horrific result because of the Crystal Palace game, I think, was the last time you were on. But we said there might be the championship next year before that can happen. And Pete Sixsmith is from Salou, Sunderland. He also blogs for ESPN occasionally. I finally get to meet you, Pete, after a couple of years of blogging for Salou myself. Not that I've done much for a while. Which oh, we, we always enjoy what you do, Goldie, mm. and uh, look forward to seeing some more. Yeah, I need to get in touch with uh, Colin I've kind of uh, rumbled, rumbled my partner's uh, surprise Christmas present, and it's a laptop, so I should be able to contribute <laughs> a lot more. Um, Gareth here, as always. Gareth, we were hardly ecstatic last week, but spirits were fairly high, despite that speed, uh, defeat to Chelsea. Um, those spirits, like the River Weir, have shrunk significantly since by Sunderland doing what they do, best losing. Try not to be too downbeat. How's the mood? Well, I'm all right. <coughs> I still think... Um I was more like reading on Twitter and stuff after the game at the weekend. I was more positive than the maybe North. some other people. Yeah, mm. I still I just don't think one game. You know, it was one half of football really where you know we haven't you know didn't really do it. But um, you know we've all been waiting for these games that are coming. So mm. that you know now is the time to prove it. And yeah, I think that I know the results thing. People talk about the results at the weekend going against us. I didn't think they did. Like really? I thought, the Fulham game is probably the most disappointing one. But you don't want you don't want Cardiff beating Palace and mm. like getting ahead and it was you, the same with West Ham playing them the other yeah. week, wasn't it? I take your point, yeah, Martin. Um, Spurs are a side chase in the Champions League, um, so you know can't, you can't be that surprised if came here and beat us. So why do you think the mood suddenly has shifted within a week to being to being so and beat all of a sudden? I think it was just the way we finished the game really we, we looked like we'd run out of ideas um, <clears throat> pretty much once Catamull came on Key got sort of he, was, he wasn't really in the game anymore was he he, he needs to be in that position um, I thought it was probably a bit disrespectful to what he's done over the time that Catamull's been suspended I thought maybe they could have brought Catamull on and have him run around and try not to kick people too hard but like close down which wasn't happening but obviously playing four four two against the team that can move the ball around like Spurs, and although it was only two one, it, it could have quite easily been five one. Mm, that's know. the thing. Um, that's the thing people are, are forgetting quite often when they talk about the referee, the decision, the handball decision. That the fact is, Spurs could have had four or five. Um, Pete just mentioned Martin just mentioned the formation there. It was a shift in formation. Now, 
Gus Poyet has talked a lot about taking risks. We need to take more risks. Was 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 this down to this? Did it surprise you? Because it's it seemed to be going quite well the way he was setting up, and then all of a sudden we can understand when he done it against Newcastle. There was there was a there was a method. Uh, well, I won't call it. I was going to say to the madness there, but it's not quite madness. That's gone a bit far. But were you surprised at the formation? Disappointed? No, I think I think he's. I think he felt that he had to get uh, Fletcher back into the team. And I think when you look at the Spurs side, they're not particularly strong in the middle of the back four. Uh, they played Dawson there at a terrible game at Manchester City against two forwards. He looked at that game, Aguero. I'm not suggesting that Fletcher and Altidore are in the same class as Negredo and Aguero, but there were two forwards there who really pitched at their central defenders. And with Vertonghen having to play at left fullback, you know they brought they brought another central defender in who's not particularly experienced at this level. And I think he had to take a risk. He had to win a game. He had to win a game. And he won't win a lot of games if he doesn't take risks. Hmm. In- interesting take on it. I think everybody who listens know, knows um, are, fu- are fully aware of how Gareth and I feel about four four two. How did you feel, Martin? Do you think? Because my opinion is by playing four four two. I understand what <coughs> Pete's saying, but it's a bit of a you know misguided opinion sometimes that four four two is going for it because if you're outnumbered in midfield against a side like Spurs you're in trouble you're handing them the initiative aren't you yeah that's what I felt I mean who plays four four two anymore like if it worked then I'll be happy to play five if you've got world class centre midfielders maybe which teams do though well really, exactly you know? that's, well Man City like <clears> the <throat> said Man City do but they've got Yaya Toure we've got Seb Larson <laughs> yeah, know, it's a big difference, isn't it? I mean, that's another thing. Larson seems to get like criticised of everybody, but I think um, I know I could have picked he, anyone. He's, yeah. he's one of the few players that we've been getting a lot of letters this week, and everyone seems to be digging it into Larson mm. and Fletcher as I well because he's because he's had one bad game. But um, I mean, he hasn't been great. But I mean, I think if I discovered anything from that game, you know, from the recent games, is that Gordon doesn't fit into that midfield five. Um, he's like he's like too slow and he's not skillful enough mm. to. To sort of to play in that position for me, mm. so I think that's one of the kind of attacking midfielders is is one of the positions we need to look at. But I mean, I mean but I yeah, sorry, I, j- I just I just felt that every time we lost the ball, <clears throat> we were outnumbered in in like outclassed in the middle, and it was taking us. I think there was one time we were waiting for a substitute to come on, and it was like, well, are we going to get the ball back to kick it out of play to get this sub on? You know, <laughs> I can understand your concerns about the four four two. Um, because you're right, it isn't played very often, but perhaps once in a while it might work. And I mean, really, in the first half, we had them, um, and it wasn't really a 4 4 2, was it? Because he dropped Altidore a little bit, a little bit behind ball, Fletcher. Yeah. You know, Altidore was there to come through. He had a barnstormer run in the first half. Fletcher was there to go ahead of him. And I think he's got one or two little ideas that, that, that may or may not work out, whereas the I've got to say the previous three managers have had one idea and if that hasn't worked, they've been absolutely goose. They've not mm. been able to do anything. So I think at least as a coach, he's got, he's got imaginative approaches. That may not work. I don't think he'll play a 4-4-2 at West Ham. I think he'll stack his midfield there. Mm. Let's, let, I, would, I would have thought so as well. But I thought in the first half we had them on we had them on the back foot a little bit and I think our main problem at the moment is that we take a lead and we cannot keep hold of it. What a terrible time to concede a goal. 44 minutes. You know, Chelsea, we, they score straight away. Mm, Spurs, easily. we can go in 1-0 up at half-time and the players are thinking, hey, we've got a chance here. Mm. Instead, we give a stupid goal away. Mm. And, of course, it's then the Spurs players who think, well, there's three points for the taking here, mm. as indeed there was. Mm, Phil Bardley possibly at fault for that goal, Gareth. I, th- I thought he could have been a bit tighter, but 
ironically, you know, Phil, we mentioned Larson getting a lot of stick. Phil Bardsley obviously gets a lot of stick for obvious reasons. Um, I thought before before that, I thought he was excellent at the weekend. I have to say, playing left-back week, because we sit in the north stand behind the goal and his positioning was sound. Um, that goal, not the stuffing out of him, not the stuffing out the side, and it's like everything Sunderland do at the moment appears to be epitomised by Phil Bardsley. He's scoring goals, he's scoring own goals. <laughs> You know, he's doing that, it's very it's up and down, isn't it? And that that's just it sort of reflects the side at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, I think to be fair to Bardsley, um, you know, he's been pretty good since he came back in, um, and he's you know he's proved a point. I'd rather he did that than you know be rubbish for a season than run away celebrating when he does one good thing and point at a shirt and that he's got to prove it. He's got to prove himself on the pitch, and he's done it. So fair play to him, well done. Um, but he does, I guess you're right. It does sort of epitomise that. But you know, on you know, this, I just think in the morning our problem is there's too many players who just don't, just don't aren't in the. It's like we've you know we've got four players saying every game who just don't do anything like really you know like it's the same problem we've had going back to yeah. to well, arguably Bruce but certainly under O'Neill where the midfielders they rotate and it's like a conveyor belt and not none of them they're coming in and one maybe one of them's playing one good game then do nothing for two mm. games and it was always gone I mean Martin mentioned earlier there singling out Larson <coughs> and I probably subconsciously did that but I could have inserted any player's name mm. there I, I mean said, Col- I could, you know I could have said Gardner Callback it was probably it was probably at the poorest game of his season mm. I think. I mean, but the thing is it, I think Callback's a good example and Fletcher a good example I know Martin said he's, he felt he's only had one bad game but you know, I haven't watched him closely for a few weeks I just don't think he's He's doing it, and I'm, I'm not saying he won't in the future. But if it's not working, he's got to. He's just got to sit out for a bit. He's yeah, he's got. He's got to, he's got to be scoring you know? goals, hasn't he? Yeah. Either, otherwise, his confidence goes because he is. It's all like, about the service like known, of Fletcher as like well. Known as a goal scorer, and I do think in a five-man midfield, like Altador makes the system work better, but he's mm. he's less of like a goal threat. Yeah. So you've got to have players coming through from deep. Um, so it's it's a matter of whether you can keep both of those players happy, you know, and. Barini's been brought into the team recently, probably because he had a bit of a moan and suggesting that he was going to go back. Um, but I, d- I don't think he's done a great deal, certainly in terms of tracking back. If you are playing one man up front um, <clears throat> and he's not one of them, he does need to put some work in. Mm. It's an interesting the centre forward thing, Peter, isn't it? Because Martin just said they they both offer different things in this system. None of them seem perfect for it do they and that's just one of many problems Poyet's starting to discover now if he if he wants to progress with his system well poor old Poyet's got to work with the, the the poor quality of players that the last three managers have brought in mm. um, and he's he's absolutely stuck with them because I, I don't think there'll be a lot of change in November and he, in, in January rather and I don't think he's going to be able to bring very much in and nor do I think he's going to be able to push very much out and I think he's got to try and stick with what he's got and get the best out of them now Personally, I don't think that's ever going to be good enough. Um, and I think he's been, I think in the last three or four years since Bruce's first season, the quality of players that have come into this club has just deteriorated every year. We had that little blip under O'Neill when he brought Fletcher and Johnson in, but since then, we, you know, since uh, Bruce brought in uh, Bent and Sarna and a couple of others, 
Every year under Bruce after that, the quality of players deteriorated and we ended up signing players from clubs that had been relegated. And we've been selling our best players as well. We've let our better players have gone and Poirier's got to try and work with the players. Sign of a good coach is what can he get out of the players that he's got. I think it'll be interesting to see how he deals with the players that he's got and how Tony Pulis deals with the players that he's got at Palace. Mm. He's got his new manager bounce at the moment, whether that how long that lasts I don't know O'Neill had it for 11 games until the Everton Cup replay and then we just fell apart Poirier might have had his I don't know we'll probably know better by uh, the beginning of January Mm, you mentioned mentioned the players the the new manager bounced there now I was just going to ask you Gareth if you thought I thought player looked a lot laboured as if they've lost some of that new manager bounce Lee Catamall has come out and said that the players, as as admitted, that the players have lost some momentum. Lost some momentum. I found that extraordinary from to say that. Mm. What momentum? Have they, they can't have lost a bounce already, surely. Um, Can one game do that to you? Is that well, what it was? It shouldn't. I mean, to be fair, Catamall, I mean, he might be scratching his head and wondering why he's sitting on the bench because he gives us more drive and, you know, quality probably than any other centre midfielders apart from Key. I agree with so that. He should be, he should be in there. Opinion. He should be in there with. With I mean he's better than Corbett he's better than Larson in the middle he should be in there in my opinion but the new manager bounce thing um, you know I, I bet your Poyet wishes he had the two games that Tony Pulis has had for his first two games for his for his mm. I mean that that's the thing you know and Fulham Villa at home for I think I think that question games, with with Catamore that was in the the press today was probably was probably sort of asked him like asked to him like oh do you think we've lost a bit of momentum having lost to Spurs mm. and he probably answered the question like yeah. yes yeah, yeah. you know um, <coughs> yeah. yeah and he, he's obviously not very clever otherwise <laughs> he wouldn't have missed over 60% of the games <laughs> that he's been at Sunderland for That's you very know. stereotypical of footballers well I mean all the ones that I've met have generally been a bit thick <laughs> I, I, think, I think on Saturday though there were, I think there was an element of them being physically and mentally tired yeah. it was a very very Intense game for them on uh, on Wednesday night against Chelsea. And to get nothing out of it as well. And, and yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, these are not robots; these are human beings. And to lift yourself twice in three days, I know they paid a lot of money. I know they, it's all that they do. I know they should do that, but it's not always possible. And these are not top class players. These are players who are, are, are players who were used to playing at the bottom middle of the Premier League they haven't got that quality that a Chelsea player has got or an Arsenal player or a Manchester City player and you know to actually lift themselves twice in three days I, after after a, you know quite a disappointing defeat against what we thought was a good side but perhaps isn't um, I just think psychologically it was very difficult for them to come back they just stopped and Poyet just touched on it himself the second half they stopped doing what they should have been doing um, as soon as they scored the goal, they, they stopped. They, they stopped playing it out. They started trying to knock it long. And but don't you think that that happened when Catamol came on? Because I actually thought when he brought Catamol <coughs> on, and, I thought um, Catamol improved things personally. When he went th- when he went three, like mm. basically he went to four three three, didn't he? Um, I mm. thought, and this is credit again to Poy. I thought he got us back into the game at that point. Um, I thought it was drifting, and he'd made that mm. change. And it, he, that's a gr- I mean Poyet for me. I don't know what you guys think, but. I think he's made very few errors um, in his time at Sunderland up to now. I just think, generally, you know, in, in the way he's carried himself, in the way he's spoken, um, mm. he, every week he comes out and he speaks sense. You know, um, he says the right things at the right time. Um, 
Yeah, and I think he's been really impressive. And I think it was, you know, like Pete sort of touched on earlier, it wasn't really a rigid four-four-two. There's that fluidity, and he know, he, you know, he, oh, he yeah. knows what he's he knows what just, he's doing. He's not going to do with a canyon and just rigidly set them up. And that's he? great, you know. It's, regimental. We were talking about it last week, obviously. You know, you have to go to the pub if you can't do the podcast. So we went there and talk, <laughs> had our own podcast. Wasn't wasn't flooded out, was it? No, it wasn't. No, we're on the top floor, and so it was fine. Um, I it, basically, the, the, yeah, we just we were all so positive after that Chelsea game because we were seeing your know, Poyet is just, you know, he's he's starting. To, he's I haven't seen a manager do the stuff he does at Sunderland in my lifetime. I mean, obviously Reed was very successful with his style, but again, it was very one-dimensional. Um, with Poya, it's just uh, he, it's 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 almost this, the things that the Canio are promising. Poyet's come in without the hoo ha, and he's 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 proven himself. Mm-hmm. He just needs the results um, for probably for his own sanity and ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's <clears throat> he's obviously like Pete said, he's working with what he's got, which isn't which isn't like good enough. There's a, there's a number of players that everyone was saying if we're going to move on, we need to kind of like maybe have these players on the bench or sell them but then every time a new manager comes in you know the likes of <coughs> Larson and Gardner and Bardsley and O'Shea and Catamol who you know not maybe it's not all of them but like individually they all get they all get criticised for not being good enough but they seem to be a lot of the best players we've got mm-hmm. you know, despite the fact we signed 14 players in the summer and I think you know it's kind of Defanti's getting away with it really um He's, he's kind of like overseeing all of these buys. Can I come in on that one? I think I think Defante's had a really, really bad press because he was put in a position where he had to try and bring players to Sunderland. And I would ask the question, how many English players would have come to Sunderland while Di Canio was the manager? Yeah. Because word gets around. Well, that's why Huddleston didn't come. That, I think that's probably true. I think yeah. that's very true, Stephen. And I think Defanti was left with an impossible task there to try and bring players into the club who perhaps didn't know very much about Di Canio and didn't know what a complete and utter idiot he was. <laughs> um, you know, and and I just think he was left with an imp- with, with a, and I think he's left with another impossible task in January. I feel with I feel with Defanti that he's he's brought in players that he's that he's got contacts through, <laughs> um, and players that were actually on his own agency books. Well, it's maybe right. Um, players. <clears throat> from leagues that he's aware of, and that's why we didn't have many English players come in. But I mean, it's I easy. It's I easy to criticise in our league position. It's easy to to point out the faults. But here. but I, I do feel that if we don't kind of these next two games are key, um, and if we don't kind of like beat Norwich and maybe Cardiff and, and win a few games before the window opens, players aren't going to want to come to Sunderland anyway, and we might even be offloading people. Uh, in preparation for the championship, I don't want to be too too doom and gloom. But I think like, we all thought about a Martin, if we're being honest. <coughs> you, I mean, on the subject of you know, you're probably right about Defanti bringing in um, players that he knows. Um, but you look at managers, and that's a lot of the Sunderland managers. You know, Keane, Bruce, they buy players that they know, that's and, and that's all they've done. That's and, what you do. And, yeah. and it's what you do. Mm. But I mean, and I, I just think on the Defanti, it's people are like, well, he's he's got them. I don't understand this, and it's. I know you guys aren't saying that, but you know, did Canio have the final say? Did Canio could have said no? He, he said no. Like the the key one was Peruti. He said no, don't want him, don't want Peruti because of this. And mm-hmm. he could have said if he didn't want any of them, he could have said no, go away and find us somebody else. I don't want that one. Come and get, go and get me another one. I, I don't believe he did have the final say because I think really? the, the whole director of football setup was that, and that's why he was like storming out of board meetings. And he said three days before. 
<clears throat> and that's why he had to be escorted from the premises when he was sacked, you know. Um, like three days before we sold Sessegnon, he said he didn't want to sell Sessegnon, and that he'd also turned out a bit of £4 million pounds for, for G to Germany. So we kept him, because he's been like a massive influence this season, hasn't he? Um, and sold our most skillful player for £6 million. So that's De Canio's. They're De Canio's calls as well, though. There's no way, there's no way that, you know... Um, Defanti is like autonomous. He he work he works in tandem with the manager. That's just the way it works. Well, this um, January probably going to highlight a lot of things we don't we're not quite sure yet because he's only had one transfer window. Yeah. And everyone, mm-hmm. you know, how many? Let's just say how many managers. It's ambiguous still at the minute, isn't it? It's ambiguous. Yeah. Poyet's already said he's not going to stand for being told this player and that player. That's certainly going to be interesting. Just before we move on to the West Ham thing, is it, is there some is there some suggestion? Um, you talk about players' attitudes there, Pete. Now. You strike me like you um you like to involve yourself in a bit of cynicism every now and again. <laughs> um, is it <laughs> cynical? How would you how do you think about some suggestions that certain players who are out of contract are unlikely to give one hundred percent for the club, knowing that they could be out of contract in the summer, they would rather not play for a contract here because they're clearly not doing it here and they would rather want, they, they would prefer to be out anyway. That a lot of more and more people are coming up with this with this theory. I think, it, I think it is a theory. I think <laughs> I think most people, and the vast majority of people, when they go to work, want to do a good job. And I I, I can't believe that Craig Gardner, Phil Barnsley, Seb Larson, Adam Johnson uh, are quite happy at all with the level of criticism that they get. Um, I don't think players very. I, I can't think of many players who go out to play deliberately badly. Um, I think players obviously not Gardner so much deliberately play badly, but maybe maybe not find that extra from within themselves. Well, they? maybe. I mean, if you come into the end of your career, whatever it is, you don't do as much as you did before. And I speak from personal experience. There. <coughs> you know that you don't you, you you don't put as much in if you come into the end of a particular job. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't, and maybe that's and these players can't afford to do that. We've touched upon this about Phil Bardsley on the last few podcasts. How. His performance levels are picked up because he's outside mm. of his comfort zone again. He's a player, and a lot of these are players who aren't good enough to play in their comfort zones. They've proved that, haven't they? Wait, mm. you, you, season after season, he had something win. to prove as well, didn't he, Bardsley? But I think in like certain players, like Johnson and <coughs> creative players, if they're not given that extra little bit, you do notice. But I think sometimes the likes of well, players that are a bit hot-headed, like Gardner and Catamol and Bardsley, they could actually maybe. Just do without giving that extra ten percent because it would probably involve them staying on the pitch and not giving away <laughs> penalties. And these these are three the three players you mentioned there, Malcolm, are all player uh, Martin, are all players who don't have huge amounts of skill, whose whole career is dependent on them being wholehearted players. And solid, yeah. That's right. And and somebody like Johnson, I think we expect far too much from Johnson at times. You know, he's got he gets criticised for not running back. When he runs back, he gets criticised for being too slow. When he has run back and perhaps. You know, put put the ball out. He's then criticised for not being back up on the left wing, and I think that's the sort of ten, twelve million pound mm-hmm. uh, uh, label that hangs around his neck. You have to get the ball to him, don't you? That's that's been a whole he, he could be the person who who plays a big part in in keeping us up, and I think this manager knows that, and he's prepared to deal with him properly and sensibly. Um, and give him a little bit of leeway now and then, you know. And I think some of the fans ought to give him a little bit of mm. leeway. I agree with that, like. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think him and Jaggerini are the key to us staying up. I think they need to find a way to get. I think when out the door, get them and in Jack- dangerous areas. Yeah, when out the door, Jaggerini played 
together basically uh, when Ball was in charge mm. that's as threatening as we've looked uh, yes. in the final third of yeah. times and Jack Arini's very clever um, at making runs late runs into the mm. box and getting on the end of things I mean yeah he's, I mean, he's we, not we, finished them off at times which has been disappointing for him but if you get him in that area three times he'll, he'll invariably take one of those chances mm. he's proven that so mm -hmm. um, we need I, I think that you know touch on it when we talk about the West Ham I imagine but I think it might be time to maybe say right well let's have Catamol and Keyes sitting in there Back to four, back to four, two, three, one. Yeah, and have Jack Rooney That's exactly what I well, would do. Well, Luke, Luke, Luke Ball constantly tells us that Kevin thinks Jack Rooney in that position is probably the best player oh. he's ever seen mm. in that position. Mm. So you know, who, we're not going to question his judgment, are we? We're going to now hopefully speak to Nigel Khan from West Ham, and that's coming up next. <laughs> I always hope the content for a podcast is going to be good when, when the mics go off the conversation continues to flow I love anything like that um, we're going to speak to Nigel Conn in a moment who is from the West Ham end he has his own website which is mywhufc.com and he contributes for the fanzine down that way over land and sea now we mentioned lads earlier about the fixture list and I was sympathising with the team a lot because of the way you know Gareth mentioned the fixtures Fulham's had um, under what's he called Pulis <laughs> under Pulis and then I'm looking Palace and I'm thinking Pulis. yeah Palace under Pulis <laughs> sorry and Fulham under Mullenstein you know they've they got that result where they, they weren't quite good enough against Tottenham a bit like Kevin Ball against Liverpool and Man U but then they managed to follow that up with a home game against Aston Villa and whichever way you look at it I've always been saying you know it's been tough on us we've had some scary home games then I had a bit of a word with myself and thought you know the, the last three seasons has been one big excuse from the players, from everybody. It's always, it's always, you know, well, when this happens, we'll see an improvement. When that happens, we'll see an improvement. The excuses now, Pete, should be, <laughs> they should be over because, with the greatest of respects, we're going to an away game, and people have said we, we're going to get, get, get one of these smash and grab wins away from home, the way Poyet sets up. We're going to a side who's, who are missing there probably three or four most key players it isn't a particularly happy camp down there Poyet has come out and alluded to the fact himself when are we going to start winning games now it has to be now that's what he said oh, it sounds great Stephen you know all we've got to do is, t is get on the court turn up there and come back with three points like we did at Stoke Hull City <laughs> Crystal Palace yeah. we have, we, we've, we've hardly played a good yeah. side away from home I think what, what, what he means <clears> is because the, everybody fans coaches Media have been blaming this run of fixtures, this fixture list, and that now kind of is officially at an end, isn't it? This is where it starts apparently to look better. It's very, it's a very important game for both clubs. Um, absolutely vital for us, and I would suggest to Nigel that it's a, a very important game for West Ham. We were, you know, really, really seem to be struggling a little bit at the moment without having any forwards at all. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I would ask Nigel now because. Nigel, I know you've got a lot of key players missing at the moment. Obviously, Andy Carroll's the main one. Now, a lot of Sunderland fans will probably rejoice in the fact that Kevin Nolan isn't playing because he's got a good goal-scoring record against us. But just to throw a spanner in the works, am I right in, a, in understand, the, my understanding is that he isn't... He 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Isn't having a good season down at West Ham and the fans aren't particularly happy with his performances down there. Well, I think the West Ham fans are uh, celebrating he's not playing <laughs> at the moment the way he's been playing. They can extend his ban to more than three games. <laughs> that but, uh, part, eh? <laughs> yes, he's, he's he's not been pulling up trees. I, a lot of it, I think, me, I personally, I blame Anadice. He's, he, he can see he's not playing well. He's not pulling him out of the fight line. Mm. He's getting... When his when his numbers held up to be subbed, he's he's getting cheered off. I and heard that. Because I he heard it was well. a soft classic cheer the, uh, against um, Crystal Palace. So, yeah. One, one thing I've heard from you lot down there, just doing a little bit of research um, in the last couple of days leading up to this, which is unusual for me. Um, and I heard that apparently people are happy because Ravel Morrison might get pushed forward now. Would that be fair to say? Is that what you're hoping for? Because you, you're going to need somebody to play. You, you essentially haven't got really many centre forwards, have you? So you're going to need an attack, well, you're going to need an attacker midfielder in and around that area, and that would people would rather that be Morrison than Nolan, yeah? That that is that is true. I mean, Morrison is, is without doubt the only skillful player we've probably got that, that can take a ball and beat a player and put the ball in the net. Um, he, he can drift in and out of games sometimes, but he's only young. But he's never really had to run in that position. He's always had to move about. Oh, you've got to play out wide today because we've got to accommodate someone else in the middle. He loves chopping and changing out of dice. I mean, against Palace, we had the army out on the left. And, you know, he's a central midfielder. And it's always Nolan has to play. Nolan has to play. Mm. You know, and we're not stupid. We watch it. We, it we can see he's not playing well. And sometimes you, you do have to pull him out for their own sake. Mm-hmm. So has Allardyce moved past this this thing now where he's, he's playing without centre forwards? Or will will it be somebody up front? I'd, I'd imagine, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a rarity. Um, so we no plan B. It's forced upon him because Mike, the striker, never really played a lot last season, but don't score anyway. Colt and Cole was allowed to leave and then brought back not match fit at no pre-season they're saying they've got to still do the pre-season with him and try and play him but he was never an out and out goal scorer anyway mm-hmm. so he, you know, he was left with no strikers let's try it with the midfielders mm-hmm. it worked once but it fouled a lot of other times and he persevered but then he brings Micah back in can't score still mm-hmm. I think- I, you know who knows what he can do? See, he's running out. We've, we've got Danny now. 
we've got, um, as I say, Nolan suspended. So he, mm. he's running out of midfielders to use anyway. Mm. That's <coughs> interesting. Martin, then, we, we, we were speaking there saying we're not expecting him to go four four two. He can't really, because by the sounds of it, this midfield area is going to be swamped from West Ham. I don't know if anyone can think of a better adjective than swamped because that sounds like an understatement. So, yeah, I mean we, we will pack the we will pack the midfield. I mean to be fair, if I was Sunderland, I'd, I'd play like three five two. We're so poor up front that you don't need four defenders at the back. Mm, I could have come to the studio, yeah. Gareth. You are uh, doing a fist pump there at the three five two. You've been um, you've been talking about this for a long time, haven't you? That's not going to happen though. But you'll be delighted at that, wouldn't you? Definitely, yeah. Is that um, it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know how I feel about three five two or some in, in, incarnation of that formation. Um, but yeah, uh, I think <clears throat> we should definitely go. You know, we got got to pack that midfield again, and it would be the four two three one, which would be the you know the one that just you got to compete in there. I think, um, and you know, try and create the the opportunities, which we haven't really been doing. It's like we were saying before. You know, can we get? Can we get the, the the key players into the key areas that they need to be? Jack Rini, Johnson, etc. Um, get him, get them in and around out the door, and try and you know get him to hold it and bring others in. That's you know that's what we've got to do. Um, and I just think you know against West Ham, I think we definitely need that extra man in midfield. Mm. I'd be amazed if he didn't. Nigel, uh, reading a lot of a lot of opinion from down your way, I can't see many people predicting anything else than a West Ham win. Is complacency a problem? Are the crowd going to turn on West Ham if Sunderland score? Um, I, I don't know if we'll turn during the game, possibly after. I mean, if you've got some a tough do or die game for you? both teams. Yeah, I mean, we've got after after Sunderland, we've got Man United away, which obviously ain't looking as hard as it has been in the <laughs> past, but it's still not the greatest place. West Ham don't travel well anyway, so we have to win our own games. We're not doing that. We've We've only big Cardiff Fulham at home. That's yeah. it. This is like we're saying, Martin. This, this, they don't sound too confident down there, can they? Can they play? Can the Sunderland players? Is there something there the Sunderland players could tap into, or am I just clutching straws again? Here? Well, I, I hope so. Although I, I actually think it's going to be a really sterile game, and both managers will be wanting not to lose. So mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a nil-nil draw. I know I'm being quite negative, but. Um, when we got nil nil drawed Villa, it was almost celebrated like a win. So, <laughs> <coughs> by me, it wasn't all no. that Jagarini chance. Well, that was that was a poor miss, but but yeah, I, I think I think both managers are they're probably the the poorest two teams in terms of form at the minute. And from what I've seen, obviously, I, I thought Palace were the worst team in the league until recently, and they've, and they've picked right up. Mm. I think Cardiff and Hull. <clears throat> could come into it, but Hull keep winning. I think Hull have keep, done enough to. to keep, yeah, I think they're going to be. Fine. Well, well, I think they were eighth at Christmas uh, last time they got relegated. Right. But um, they've got the Steve Bruce winter season yeah. to come up. <laughs> on, you know, Steve yeah. gives up in January and February and March. Yeah. Now it? is the winter of our discontent. Even <laughs> <laughs> off that Christmas dinner. Can, can, <laughs> I, can, I, can I ask Nigel about uh, what you know? What's the feelings about Allardyce at West Ham, Nigel? Is he a is is, is he a, is he a reviled figure yet, or is he is he just tolerated? Um, it, it, he's a man that I would do, always say about him is that w- when he's not managing your team, you always think, "Well, I don't want him." Mm. And when he turns up, you accept him. Me personally, I'm, I would never have wanted him. I never want him. I'd sack him whenever. 
Um, <laughs> Excellent. But a lot of a lot of West Ham fans, obviously, you got to support who you've got there. Mm-hmm. In a way, mm-hmm. it's who you would bring in, isn't it? He's anti-football. He, I call him the Darth Vader of football. And, <laughs> and at the end of Star Wars, Darth Vader turned to be out to be good, but obviously, I passed it. I think I think he looks more like Chewbacca than uh, <laughs> 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 I think he should wear a mask. Um, he's just so arrogant in, in, in my book. He thinks he's better than what he really is. Mm. So, um, he fancied he, himself he just, for Real Madrid, didn't he? And that's it. I think it'll be interesting on Saturday because you've, you know we were saying earlier on before you, before you came in that uh, you know we think we think that Poyer is quite an imaginative coach. Who does tr- he'll, he'll try things in the middle of a game and it might not always work and obviously he's, he's not used to Premier League football he's, he's tried this in um, in the Championship with Brighton who were very fluid and very flexible last year and very very well thought of in the Championship he's coming to, he's coming to a club that's you know where the, the quality of players is not great um, and where there's a there's a definitely a down feeling in the club but he's he's done several things that we quite like whereas Allardyce to describe Allardyce as flexible would would not be correct, would it? No. So I think it's an interesting. <laughs> no, like, you don't need to develop that one, do you? I, I just no. think it's going to be interesting in the, in the contrast of the two styles, where you know West Ham will, will, will maintain the Allardyce style from minute one to minute ninety, whereas Poyer, hopefully, if things aren't going well, or if things are going well, will change things round to get the maximum out of out of his players. The, you the know, plan B situation is that. Is that the one thing, major concern you might have for the weekend, Nigel? That, as I said, not just the crowd turning, but if something go goal up, Allardyce having on two fronts really having the lack of tactical news to change things, but also having the lack of personnel to change things. The, the, the lack of personnel, yes. Um, he, he did when we played Chelsea. He did he did try and change it um, when we were being swamped. Uh, at home when we lost 3-0 but, but by the time he tried to drag two off and put two on Chelsea got a second goal in the first half and it sort of nullified the mm. substitutions mm. Um, it's yeah I mean this is a, a game that if you lose it you, f- you know you're going to be banging trouble both both sides of us I think we've got to lose it, it. <laughs> Possibly. You, you're going to think we are it and if West Ham lose it we're going to think you know the, 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 we're going to think the same that you know, it could be a long, long season. Mm. Is, is anybody in the studio kind of clinging to the hope that? I mean, just judging off the attitudes um, coming when we record these podcasts, and I can't remember a such downbeat atmosphere attitude or one of apathy. Um, the last time I will compare this, uh, compare it to this, would be before the Newcastle game, possibly before the Man City game. And to be fair, the players pulled performance out the bags those games, didn't they? Anybody? Well, they did, yes, and, and and I think that was down to them. It's interesting there that in both those games, the manager used completely different tactics. I mean, he played Newcastle with the, the kind of battering ram team that got in their faces and pushed them back, which they didn't like. And then against City, he played a, he played a pattern there where they, we actually got the ball and and moved it around and actually you know pulled City around. And that's what made Yaya Toure look like a really average player that day because he's not used to chasing the ball like that. What he does in a game like this against players who were very similar to the ones that he's got is quite, you know, is interesting. This is a good test for him. He's up against players who are no be- not not a lot better, and not a lot different from the ones that he's got. Yeah. And and how he can deal with this, and how he can deal with you know West Ham flooding the midfield, which City and and and, and Newcastle didn't. 
it's mm. it's it's a real test for him. It's keeping keeping eleven men on the field, Gareth, as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's been talking about that again today, but more on his looks in. He he's never known a manager who would go ten games, score five own goals, finish two games with less than eleven men. Right? Sort of. It's the first time. I'm not going to say he's making excuses, and the same as after the Spurs match, he didn't turn on his players. But it's the first time we're hearing, you know, murmurs of discontent well, he, from the manager. He didn't it? really, he didn't really blame. The ex- he was kind of saying we can't make excuses; it's no coincidence. Mm-hmm. And the reason why these things are happening, so like for example, on a, you know, he scored an own goal at the end of it, but you know that's come because you haven't defended the situation. Exactly. That's it's, why it's a sign of a bad team. I think mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I think there's a famous quote from Brian Clough amongst the many. You know, he always used to say it's. People say it's lucky to score late on in a game or late on in a half, but it's it's not lucky to score in the first minute of a half or the you know it doesn't matter when you score and and I think over the years like good teams that are that are on the ascendancy like when we when Keane was manager we used to score a lot of a lot of late goals because we were actually better than the other teams in the league but sometimes it takes a while to come out mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and you know Alex Ferguson probably the best manager of my lifetime. You know, people say, "Man, you were lucky for scoring so many good late goals." It's it's yeah. it's during the game. I mean, maybe he fiddled the, he fiddled he fiddled the clock a few times. You know, the same coincidence that Kane sort of develop, um, you know, took that from Ferguson. Mm. Did a, does it? The Ferguson's team's done it, and then Keane's team's done it. Well, 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 why ease off at the end of a game when when you haven't got yeah. the result you want? But there is that. You know, it is that. You know, the more I practice, the luckier I get. You know, mm-hmm. that that, mm-hmm. that is the case. I think. It, you know, but with, with Poya, you see, and I think you are seeing that. He's trying to, you know, he's implementing I mean, his style, but he's not, you know, we're, we're not getting results and he's disappointed with that. But that's mainly because, again, I was saying earlier, we have too many, I don't know what it's like at West Ham, Nigel, but we've got too many players in our team who just don't, in my opinion, just don't do make any impression on the game. Especially in central midfield, you get, we've got, say, three Grab central midfielders. The but they don't Dictate, do anything. Yeah. They're not doing, they just, you know, just run it like Gardner against Gardner. Chelsea. You know, callback on Saturday. Callback, mm. Garner at West Ham. Um, sorry, Villa. Just, you just don't do anything. It's, you know, it's it's, it's a wasted. They're just wasted not. They're position. just not good enough to influence the game yeah. or express but themselves. I, d- I don't know if it's like that at, at the moment, Nigel, at your well, place. Kevin Kevin Nolan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, Kevin Nolan was good with Carroll. He popped up with goals. When Nolan don't score, I remember Newcastle fans saying. You watch when Nolan don't score, you won't notice him. Mm. And in a way, they're right, but you do notice the fact that you don't notice him because he's not doing anything. <laughs> I get you, yeah. I get you, yeah. I've, I found over the years that Newcastle fans yeah. know very little about football as well, though. Yeah. I just want to get that one in. <laughs> but, I mean, the only thing I'd say about Sunderland is you've just had two hard games Chelsea, Tottenham, you know, and you, you've, you've had close games. You lost 2 1 Spurs, 4 3 um, Chelsea. You know, we've just been tonked 4-1 Liverpool. We lost to Palace as well. You know, a game we never thought before. We, before I went there, I never thought mm. in a million years Palace would beat us. You know, Palace were the worst team in the league. Well, you know, that's a wake-up call. And perhaps whether you can take out that you... I don't know if the performances you thought were good against Chelsea and Tottenham, but I remember watching the Palace game that they... They played before us. They played Norwich. Got beat one 0 but they murdered Norwich. Mm. And I was a bit worried. And I said, "You know, we've got to be careful." No, no, no. It ain't gonna be like that. Bang! We got caught out. Lost one 0 Yeah. So the results sometimes when managers go on, oh, it's not about the results of performance. Sometimes when you play teams you're not expecting to beat, like we've not beat Liverpool for fifty years. So if we'd have got beat eight one, it wouldn't have bothered me because we never would now. Mm. So. 
perform, but we didn't perform against Liverpool. We didn't perform against Crystal Palace. So looking at that, oh, tough game tomorrow. So do you feel like it's your biggest game in a long time then? Huge game. Well, we always love it. Always our owners, they love a slogan. You know, they love a save our season game. <laughs> and normally it's around about March. This <laughs> 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 could be, it will for both teams. You know, we could basically save our season. You know, three points. You know, we could push up two places at the table, get beat. You're only two points behind us, and we've still got Man U and, and Arsenal in uh, the next three games. Mm. It's huge when you think about, it, isn't it? Because you know, I don't want to use the old cliche six pointer, but like Nigel's just saying there, Pete. I mean, if you've got to consider the games coming up, we we'll keep talking about the fixtures. Um, they've have they have Man U. And teams like that, we have Norwich and that coming up. So I think I think there's a, a there's a huge split in the league this year, which, which I haven't seen for a long time. You've got maybe eight clubs at the top who are all, you know, it's one or two slightly above the others, but there's maybe eight clubs in the top who have a good chance of getting into European football, and then you've got eight clubs at the bottom who have every chance of being relegated. And there's nothing. There doesn't seem to be any filling in the sandwich at all. You know, maybe West Brom, maybe Aston Villa. Mm. Um, and other than that, every other team at the moment could either end up in a is, is looking for a European place or is looking over their shoulders at yes, relegation. Swansea could even get sucked in, couldn't they? They like, could, you know, and they, they haven't played so well impressive. this season. I mean, everyone was raving about West Brom a few weeks ago, and now you know they're struggling a bit. Mm. I mean, they got beat of Norwich at home. I think they've only got about sixteen points, haven't they? Yes, they have. So, I mean, everyone was it's twice as many as we've yeah. got. Yeah, it <laughs> is, yeah. But you know, people were raving about them and saying, you know, they brought in Sessegnon. Brought in each of and Amalfitano and these players, and then they had you know a good result against us, a good result against uh, Man United, and then after that they've just fallen away. So teams are capable, of, bad teams are capable of winning two games in a row in, mm-hmm. in this league, and you know, I, I really think our next two games are <clears throat> are absolutely massive. You know, I think what's, a, what's a bare minimum, Martin? Next two games, four points. Well, I'm, I'm including the Chelsea game in that because I think, like, sort of going into Norwich. What I was thinking is, if we, if we could win at West Ham, I know it seems almost insane to suggest it, but I'd, I'd love it. <laughs> I think we are capable of winning. And then if we could somehow beat Chelsea in the cup game, going into the Norwich game would be in the semi-final of a cup competition, and we would have like got our first away win. But I feel as if we if we lose these two games. It could get really nasty if we if we don't turn it on against it's Norwich. Momentum, isn't it? I mean, we could be. I mean, with with um, what Nigel was saying about obviously you've got Manchester United after Sunderland. Um, you know, we've got Norwich, so if we can somehow we got Arsenal after that. Yeah, as well. yeah West Ham have got a hard festive yeah. program. Yeah. So if we can, and we've got we've got uh, um, Everton, Everton, and Car- Everton away, then Cardiff at home. So mm. Cardiff, 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 Cardiff away, Cardiff sorry, Cardiff Everton away, Villa at home. Yeah. So we've got we've got a few. Fi- these are the fixtures we've been waiting for, Nigel. And I just think you know if we can beat you on on, on Saturday, which obviously is not a given. Um, you know, we we we'd be two points behind you with Norwich at home to come. And you're you're looking at that yeah. going, oh, we've got Sunderland are two points away from us, and we've got Manchester United. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, go, that gives that <coughs> give us heart. But you know, I think definitely think it's a, like you've seen. You know, it's you know, if if West Ham do lose to us, they I mean they're right banging it then. You know. Well, I mean, it show you how, how much we are worried. We were probably all relieved that Tottenham beat you. And we don't want Tottenham to win. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. But the fact that you were one new up, you know, and you're looking at that and thinking, blimey, you beat Spurs, you're only two behind us, you beat us, mm, yeah. hello, we're bottom all of a sudden. Mm. 
that's what that's what we were all hoping for. Right, gonna move <laughs> on now. Prediction time. So I'll start with our guest first. Nigel, do you want to give us a prediction for Saturday? I'll go with the same result last season, one all. Right, Gareth. Um, I'm going to say. 2-1 Sunderland <laughs> why are you laughing because <laughs> you don't believe in yourself there's no conviction in that <laughs> whatsoever yeah are you leaving at that yeah every time I predict actually I'm going to say we're going to get beat because every time I predict we'll lose we, we'll win so let's say we'll lose and then we might win right, because okay. that's how the universe works ok Martin <laughs> um, <clears throat> I've never predicted that we're going to lose so I'm not going to do that but I, I do think it's going to be nil-nil I think, I think both managers like I said previously will be Subconsciously like, hoping for <coughs> really, really afraid to draw. Uh, sorry, afraid to lose. And I think if it's coming into the last twenty minutes of the game, the the won't kind of go for the win. Mm. That they'll, you know, and and obviously that's a shame if that if that happens. But I, th- I think something need to kind of just have something to build from now coming into these games. And uh, a win would be brilliant, but a draw wouldn't be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Pete, we were saying before four points from the next two games. So how, how do you see this one going? Well, more in hope than expectation. I'll, mm. I'll go for. A, I'll, I'll say that we'll just nick a one-nil win. Mm. I thought that against Villa, and we, we should have, and we we nearly did. To be mm. fair, we do some luck. Um, like like I say, like Martin's the fact that Martin's alluding to though. I, I think that the players are going to be a lot more nervy this game, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a draw. I think I'll go with Nigel and say one-one. So it's going to be an exciting game by the sounds of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Watch it. Watch it. It's going to be a five-four, something like that. You never know, do you? So uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on, Nigel. You're welcome, lads. Okay, Cheers, man. Nigel. Cheers. Nice Cheers, to talk to you. Have a good night. Okay, we're going to end the show now on question of the week, although this could be the question of the fortnight because um, we weren't going to uh, we weren't going to change it we weren't inclined to change it and last week's show was cancelled so I'm going to hand it over to Gareth to remind you what it was, everybody's probably yeah. forgot the answers by Yeah, now. I can't even, I'm trying to remember what the question was um, let me look at the answers then. oh yeah, it was because Paul yet had yeah. said yeah, so Paul yet had said um, he, against Villarreal, decided that he was going to play everybody who'd scored that season to give themselves a chance to score and I think the question was something like you know what would you do to turn around Sunderland's fortunes exaggerated sort of yeah so um, there's quite a few answers I haven't got any music this week because I couldn't be bothered to sort it out um, so we've got a Pork Chop Express said uh, the under 21 strike force after they beat Arsenal 5-0 and not play Gardner um, <laughs> James Poe said hallucinogens Carl Robinson trying to finish a match with 11 players on the pitch Degsy shoot in between the posts Nick Hall and ask all the players to pick an animal whose characteristics they want to represent um, oh welcome back Howard Wilkins yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam Seeger play the 99-2000 team I'm sure Quinny and Supercave still have it in them um, Mr Ben said all the people who have got an assist um, Liam Moran hashtag bring back Niren. Um Mr oh, Potsky no. resign, no. resign Milton Nunes and <laughs> when the opposition, opposition fall over laughing and we can score. Can, uh, I, can I tell you a tale about Milton Nunes? Go on then, quickly. My, my brother lives in Thessaloniki, and we signed him from uh, Pauk. 
And I rang him and I said, we've signed a bloke from Park. And he says, what's he called? He says, Nunes. He says, I've never heard of it. He doesn't follow them much, but he takes an interest. So I rang one of his mates. And he rang us back about ten minutes later. And he says, Christos has just collapsed in hilarious laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody would want to sign him. He said, it's just incredible. You can't get a game there. He's, he's reviled. He's absolutely hopeless. And we've just heard that, he, you know, he's, we, we, they've, they've sold him for so many drachmas. All the Pauk fans are, are, are going crazy. So um, he wasn't very well scouted. Can you remember when they unveiled him at half time oh, against oh <coughs> Wimbledon or something? They called him Tyson. And then he, 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 was, he was walking around like, and like I was in the North Stand, like everyone around us was like laughing. <laughs> What's this and I was, I was thinking, this is like really unfair, but, you know. But, Did but why is he crawling him between Quinny's legs? <laughs> but then the, the announcer was going Tyson when I was when he was reading his yeah. name out. He didn't even say Nunes. Didn't he do like the, this like fist? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Oh, it, it was the wrong player, wasn't it? He'd, he'd been playing in the third division and <laughs> they signed the wrong Milton Nunes. Been at Pauk. So moving on, mm. Michael Cooney said he'd clone Wes Brown and play him everywhere. Matt Bate, I'd dress up two tall blokes as goalposts and have them hold the crossbar and then move about to suit the shots. <laughs> Pub Corner said Rush Keeper. Adam Seeker, well, we've already had that, I'm reading, I don't know why I'm reading that again. Um, JLC Tush said Gus Point in a ref's kit and then he can uh, lay some bait for the referee and switch before kick-off. Uh, Lee Butters said have out the door, give Jackarini piggyback for corners. Um... Ryan, Ryan Frost. There might not be a rule against that. No, no. <laughs> well, it might stop Jackarini from yeah. taking them because he's absolutely not atrocious at taking corners. Um, Ryan Frost uh, said, "Seems the only team we can score against. Mate, all the other opposition goalies wear Tim Crew masks." <laughs> um, Michael Darling said, "Distraction magic, just the basics, card tricks, and pennies from the ear." And Jackarini could learn that easily. And uh, Scott Young, I thought, was the winner because um, it was sort of satirical true satire said uh, I would put all the players wages in a pinata and hang it above the opposition crossbar <laughs> so yeah that was it read with in great enthusiasm it was yeah Gav's hung over again so um, <laughs> again like, where you were complaining about the other week weren't no. you no. Yeah. So now we're coming to contact with you. You have to like drink heavily. Yeah. Well, I have. That get home at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my plan all along. Just so I'm got the pub. Um, Final thoughts next week t- on Saturday. Going to win. That's I've just decided. Is that a positivity you're injecting into the yeah, room? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying, mate. Doesn't seem to have had the desired effect. No, uh, we, we, <laughs> we can do it. We've got a good chance if if we can win. We got a good chance. To, you know, same sort of same about the 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 results at the weekend. I don't think we're too bad because if we can get, you know, if we can get a win, we could, you know, be two or three points from getting out of it. And that doesn't matter if you finish bottom or you finish eighteenth. You get relegated. So, mm. you know, you got if you got to finish seventeenth. That's thanks for that. But yeah, that's very true. Um, I just didn't explain the rules. Yeah. <laughs> so what you mean if you don't finish top? You don't, you don't win the league. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even matter <coughs> if you finish tenth, Steve. Oh, right. oh God, don't, don't, let's not go. Let's <laughs> not go there. Okay. Many thanks to Pete and Martin for their efforts this week. Keep glued to Twitter during the week for snippets of info regarding some cracking guests we have on next week for our final episode of the year, a Christmas special, if you will. And we do. We've got a couple of heavyweights on. Santa guys, coming we? on. Well, don't spoil it. Don't Actually, spoil Actually, Pete's got a, you know like a white beard, and I have performed a Santa Claus before. <laughs> have you? Please so cross Junior School in Ferry Hill. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Come and sit. No, no, I won't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, move on. Let's, let's draw the line there. And let's end things there. Thanks for listening, everybody, and keep your heads up. Um, this is Sunderland, after all. I don't know what more you expect. <laughs> Come back next week. Over and out. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.